exactly does it mean to share your hotness? We all have our own unique spark. We are burning out of control like a wildfire, attracting attention, but is it the right kind of attention? All around us are people who are campfires. They don't get as much attention, but their story, their signature spark, their heat that attracts us close to them, those stories need to be shared. On this podcast, we're sharing their stories. Their stories of resilience, overcoming, how to find joy, happiness, everyday people who found their spark and made their life amazing. Hello and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Mike Rayburn. Now, Mike Rayburn, um, I just want you all to know, is literally a rock star. Like, literally. So not only is he a professional speaker like I am, and that's how I met him, he is one of those that is cool enough that other chapters of the National Speaker Association can have him in. In order to speak at other chapters, you have to be at a... You have to be at a certified speaking level, which I used to think that that meant you have a million dollar business. I found out that's not true. And now I know that it stands for CSP can submit paperwork, which (laughs) I have not. Have you not heard that before, Mike? I have not heard that. I got mine back in 2007 and all that time I have never heard that. And you're exactly right. Yes. And so somebody was like, Lita, you would qualify. And then I, and they're like, you have, you have da, 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 of all these things. They started setting up all this paperwork. And I went, no, no, I, no, I do not. <laughs> I went, I spoke, I delivered. <laughs> for, the, for those of you who don't know what she's talking about, a CSP is a certified speaking professional and you have to, it's really difficult. It's an earned, it's not like an, it's not like they choose you for a, an award. Yeah. Cause you're cute earned. or something. Yeah. You are. It's an organization. And so it's, it's, um, uh, it's really, you have to have like five or six years, um, five to six years of successful business, all these different speakers who, I mean, company, uh, you know, clients who brought you in great reviews, great, you have to show that you can run a business and all that kind of stuff. And it's really about submitting all this data. I have said over and over again, I did not get my CSP. My assistant, Sheila, got my CSP because she yeah. did all the paperwork and I paid her. Now, yeah, I did the dates and everything, but anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's totally true. And I never even directed my assistant. Now, when I was speaking a ton, I slowed down because I've enjoyed raising the last little bit of my children and the jerks have moved out. So I'm revving up, but... Uh, when I was speaking, you know, six or so times a month, you know, for big fees, I, my assistant didn't even know that was a thing. So um, not her fault, my fault. Yay for Sheila. But the point of all of that, you guys, is that in the speaking world, Mike Rayburn is cool. Like we speakers are like Mike Rayburn. And then he comes, when I say he's a rock star, he literally comes with a guitar and it's awesome. He plays it. We jam out and it's like, you get a bunch of extroverts who are like, uh, huh, huh, like all excited about Mike Rayburn coming. So he's a big deal. And, but the reason I wanted him on the podcast, cause I could just fill this podcast with all my speaker friends, but that's not the point, dear listener of this podcast is to hear the inspirational stories. The reason that I asked Mike to come on is because Mike does something that is very admirable that I have noticed. And he reached out to me after I had, 
I think I commented that I appreciate that you did this thing I'm about to mention. And then I said, oh, my heavens, I should have Mike on my podcast. So you're smiling. Did you want to say something, Mike? Oh, I just, yeah, what happened? You want me to tell what? what yeah, you tell it because they hear me talk a lot. So you tell it. Sure. Well, I had made uh, I had made a post um, about something, whatever it was, on Facebook. And then uh, and it was it got a lot of engagement and there were a number of comments. And then as I scrolled down and I, I try to I, I, I don't stay too much on it, but I check in every now and then. And I, I was reading the comments, the interaction. And then there were two almost in a row that were different women who were not friends on Facebook with me. And they uh, they had each said something like, and some of you have heard, seen posts like this. I, I think they're kind of scams, but. They're, yeah, probably trolls. Yeah. It's That's got some, it's some kind of a troll. And uh, and it's always a picture of some scantily clad, good looking woman. And um, and it's one and they were different. It was a different take, though. Both of them said something like, like, wow, um, I'm enjoying this. Po- I'm just paraphrasing here, but it was something like um, I really enjoy this post. And I looked at your profile and it's really interesting. I love what you do. I'm hoping we can get to know each other better. And right. it's it's and both of them were similar to that. And they were come on is what they are. Yeah. And, and so um, I wrote I. I just, my comment to them was exactly um, three words to each one of them. I'm happily married. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and then I just, and luckily they weren't, you know, friend, they were asking me to friend them. Request them. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the reason I liked that, the reason I liked it was because I knew that you knew that this was some kind of troll, but everyone else who's reading through those comments, which people um, I know that there are people who read through my comments because they'll go and like what people say to me, that there are people that are looking to, uh, I, I hate to say it like this, but you and I have put ourselves in a position uh, where people are looking to how we interact in our lives. And for for better or for worse, people like having people that they can mentor influence from afar, right? And so that everyone who reads over that is seeing that you're saying, no, thank you, not today. And that is consistent with how you honor your wife in your daily conversations. I know in person, you, when you're on the stage, you are referencing her with admiration and kindness in your social media, you are building her up. And I have had people flirt with me in person. And I, my response is no, I'm like, we're not even going to laugh and go, (laughs) thanks for the compliment. No, I'm happily married. No. And if we really are truly married, it's, we need to do these things online in person. And this is different than what a lot of people think. So I think this is a fun starting point of our conversation of why would you do that for your marriage? The reason I do that for my marriage is because I love my marriage and I want to keep my marriage. And I, um, and there are countless forces in this world who want to tear down the family, tear down marriages. Uh, they want to, um, uh, inflict pain and they don't come off that way, but that's ultimately what they're about. They're ultimately about, um, uh, pulling there. It's really what it ends up being. It's about my faith. Um, I mean, the marriage relationship uh, was, in my opinion, was mm-hmm. 
and I there is one big book that talks about this. Um, one big book, best-selling book of all time. Best-selling yeah. book of all time, um, and it's not Mike or mine's. Just so everyone's really clear. And yeah. stand back, Jack Canfield. Bible sold, <laughs> sold more than chicken soup. Um, yeah. I say that with respect. Yeah, Jack's a friend. Um, yeah. The so uh, saying he's a big deal. He hangs out with Jack. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see how many names I can drop in this guy. Yeah, you you could drop some. I I know Dan Clark, who was in Chicken Soup for the Soul, and you know Dan Clark as well, who's another speaker friend of ours. Yes. You know? Good day. But the thing that's so cool about you, Mike, and people who have, you know, I don't, again, I don't know what word you and I would probably be comfortable with, but you know, what other might call influence, right? We're out there publicly Mm -hmm. is that you were in your personal life. If you were not a public-ish figure, it's the same, it's the same spectrum that anyone has to deal with of how you honor and cherish your marriage. And when you're out there, you just might have more opportunities to be a pooper about your marriage. Yes. And the, and the whole point there is in the, in the Bible, um, the point of a married relationship is it's supposed to, in some, yes, lesser than but human way, reflect the relationship we have with God. Amen. And, uh, ultimately, I mean, the, uh, the, um, the church is actually the bride of Christ. And so, right. uh, so it, it, for, for people who are feminists and don't like the Bible, it's like the entire church is female, FYI, just saying. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love that. I love that. Well, to me, so, feminism, yeah. and again, I am a professional woman who has had success in my career, who gets to do a lot of the things that I want to do. I'm very independent. I'm very capable. And I do not describe myself as a feminist because a feminist at its core, when it started, you know, equal ability to vote, I'm all for that. But I think what what we're the iteration of feminism that they call it now, I think they call it fourth wave feminism, but it has uh, gone to a point where we're saying men by the very nature of who they are is toxic. That protective nature of men is bad. And in a marriage with an equally strong husband to me, I am people, they just know me. I've had people make the comment, oh, you must bulldoze over your husband, assuming that a strong woman has a weak man at home. I'm like, no, (laughs) he is very much the man. And if anyone um, leads this home, it's my husband. And, And that's the order. That's what you're about to say, huh, Mike? Yeah, and, and and for what it's worth, there are women who can who can uh, bulldoze over men, and there are men who are willing to be bulldozed over, and right. uh, and that's yeah. not and that I do not believe that's God's calling for men or women, and uh, and so I, I will say this straight up. Uh, first of all, I want to compliment you. The reason we connected here, I didn't finish the story, is that I saw that Lita had had liked both of my responses to those women and i reached out to her to say hey i noticed you specifically went to those comments and liked them and i appreciate that and uh and that started our conversation so i want to compliment you for that i appreciate you acknowledging me for that um and i just did it because it's right and you uh, being reinforced for that is very very helpful um and i i i I I think think it's important that um we like good content 
that we support good content and we do that both content and character that we are supporting when we see it instead of just being quietly watching and letting the minority of loud voices set the tone of our online experiences or in our world. Right. Yeah. And it's one of those things where on one hand, you want to leave room for people to be who they are. On the other hand, I don't want to compromise who I am, what my marriage is, what my faith is. And so I pray for guidance and hopefully the Holy Spirit will guide me in where I comment, what I say and what I don't say and the reaction in the world to that. So um, uh, yeah, for instance, there was a point where I think it was Mike Pence, but somebody I'm not supporting a, a political point here, but uh, as a Christ follower, he said that he would not go to dinner alone with a woman who was not his wife. Yeah. And he got ripped apart in the media for that. The, 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 yeah. Leftward leaning media, uh, which is a which lot is of- crazy to those of us that I'm sure you have the same stance. In oh, fact, anytime I see a man message me, I'm thinking, first of all, I'm only Facebook friends with men I have met. And I'm also typically Facebook friends with their wife if she has an online presence. But if a man messages me, I'm thinking to myself, is he going to be appropriate? And if ever he weren't, I would remove that connection. If right. he even slightly flirted with me or connotated something that was in the realm of private. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to wait until he's sending me pictures of his privates. That is not going to be happening. Right. Like there's, there's a boundary that is far out to, I'm even thinking if I'm even willing to have a conversation with man, this man. So I'm totally with Mike Pence. I would not do not go networking and hang out with men or have the appearance of being alone with a man. Right. It is not my husband. Right. And you just said an important word there that I was heading toward, and that is the word boundary. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so the question, uh, nobody, okay. Affairs and, uh, improprieties that way are uh, break up a lot of marriages yeah. and almost no affair is, Oh, I got drunk one night and slept with this woman. It's usually someone we know or we work with every day or we see once in a while or they engage with us on on, uh, social media. And it starts as an innocent like, hey, I really like that. And then it goes to like, um, oh, well, you know, I like the way you do this. And then it builds to something else. And then you meet up somewhere or whatever. It's, it's almost never is it a, like we just met and something happens. It's, it's people we know regularly. And those boundaries are not crossed usually by a big stampede. It's usually yes. Yes. like the dike, uh, you know, the, the little bit of a hole in the dike um, starts, you know, a little bit of water comes through and it gets bigger and bigger. That's usually the way an affair happens. And so I don't want that. I don't, I don't want to be that. I can't, uh, you know, if I ever want to wonder about that, I just imagine like when I'm coming home from, I'm, you know, I tour a lot. I, I travel and I present for these. Different he's groups. a rock star who speaks <laughs> with a guitar and it's amazing. Yeah. All over the, you know, I get to go all over the world, mostly all over the country right now. And, um, and uh, I'm, I, I sometimes will think like, imagine if I had done something on the road, and I now have to come home and confess to my wife. 
Mm-hmm. I can't fathom wanting to, or, or not wanting, obviously not wanting, but I can't fathom how horrid I would feel about that. And then, um, or the flip side of that, keeping that a secret and living with it, which means I, I found a way, I, it's interesting to build our each, each of our experiences with the Holy Spirit. Because what I found is the Holy Spirit, if I've done something I need to confess, if I've done something that I need to, and I've never had an affair, so I'm not saying that. Uh, but if I've done something that I know I probably I shouldn't have done or I need to tell my wife about, or that I just need to tell someone about, um, the way the Holy Spirit deals with me is, is, is particular to me, and it's not, I don't know anybody else's way. But basically, I will wake up at anywhere between 3 and 4.30 in the morning. Okay. And, and the Holy Spirit's response is, hey, you don't have to confess this. You're just not going to sleep until you do. Just say it. <laughs> See, that's when brilliance happens for me. So that I like get woken up. God's like, are you hearing me? Because I know nothing else is distracting you right now because you have nothing yep. else to be doing right now, but me getting your sanity sleep. So I'm just going to I'm just going to put this idea in front of you and just going to poke you with it. Yep. Until you write it down, and then that's I'll let you. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, actually sleeping on it and having that kind of an inspiration is part. Of, I'm writing a book right now. Um, the working title. This is not going to end up being the title, but well, I don't know. But the working title is not creative. My ass. Creative. <laughs> um, creativity. I actually kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. Creativity tips for left brain linear thinking non creatives. Parentheses and anyone else. And so okay, it's just yeah. two cre- ways to be more creative. And one of them is to sleep on it. Uh, one, you know, think about whatever the thing is that you want and right. then go to sleep and then you'll wake up at four 30 in the morning or in your theta in between sleep and, and awake. Right. So back uh, to how the Holy spirit doesn't let you sleep until yeah. you, he works you a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So, so that, and so then I know that sleep will not happen or I will not have a, an open and one-on-one relationship, not, uh, meaning I won't have the, there will be something in the way of my connection with God. And, um, uh, and so I hate that feeling. I, it, everything about it, it's, it's like, and, but here's the good thing about that feeling that tells me that God loves me. It tells me that God cares about me. He only rebukes the ones he loves. Um, well, and he trusts you to take that information and do the right thing with it. And to me, I love the idea of thinking about how God trusts me enough to allow hard things to happen. Great point. I love that God trusts me enough to give me some stewardship to, to give back. God trusts me enough to allow things to happen. Yes. That's because if you look at the story of Job, Mm -hmm. right, which I, don't know if Job was an actual man. I tend to believe the Bible mostly literally, you know, but I know there, I mean, Jonah probably didn't get swallowed by a whale. You know, I don't know, you know. For what it's worth on the Jonah story and the whale, I have heard scientific explanations of how it it actually wasn't, it was like a big fish. It wasn't a whale. Right. But But whatever it was, my point is, um, you know, I take the story at how it comes to me yes. as knowing that I need to learn something. So I'm not going to worry if it was a whale or a big fish or a spaceship or whatever. The point is Jonah had to do what God told him to do. And until he did it, he was going to not sleep 
<laughs> well, <laughs> right? And that story comes back to me every time. And you're absolutely right about that. I, I totally agree with that. And to continue with that, the whole point of like, is, did it really happen? Was it a metaphor? Is it an idea? Of, you know, right. an but Job, Job, God was like, I trust Job. I trust when Satan is saying, oh, he won't love you because you, you've given him all of these things, but he won't love you if you take that away from him or if you allowed that to be taken away from him. And God's like, actually, if I let you do whatever to Job, Job would still love me. And so that's how I have framed the challenges I've had in my life of I have earned God's trust. And that means so much to me. It's a great point. With my weakness and my frailties, I don't want to jeopardize that. And so when somebody comes and tries to tempt me, I get a little offended. You think that this is going to be the thing that I'm going to compromise for? <laughs> you have not been paying attention, right? It's like, yeah. no way am I going to compromise not just my self-respect, but my God's respect. Right. Absolutely. And 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 that's where we want to, that's where we want to be as Christ-like as we can, being so that, so that, um, uh, so that we are reflecting that the same way God would, um, yeah. as best we can as flawed human beings. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and to go back to that, it's like, I had a pastor one time tell me, um, to the science point, uh, I had a pastor one time I was, I, we got on the subject of Adam and Eve. It's like, was there a garden and Adam and created Adam and then the rib and all that kind of stuff. And his point, um, he's a great guy. His point was, does it really matter? Right. It doesn't because the point is still the same uh, yeah. that we are fallen and that, you know, the whole creation story. So, right. um, and, and, and again, and, people, I, you know, I write poems and I choose different words for different poems and you write songs, right? I write songs. I write comedy. I write. Yeah. Stories, but I, write. I mean, like my point is in a song or a poem, we're also sometimes picking a word because of how it'll sound lyrically with it or the imagery that it will draw. You know, and so is Satan literally a snake or is that just one of the most terrifying imagery that you could use of how he lurks under a rock or a bush, right? And yeah. I happen to believe that, you know, Satan looks like you or I, um, doesn't have horns or, you know, but that's scary imagery. But, yeah. you know, Satan could be walking down the street across. And I've I've heard stories of people who literally have had a very good looking man Yes. Basically know too much about them and realize that they were talking to a demon or Satan and being like, whoa. And that this one girl told me this story that she was in, in Hollywood, which we don't have to get into all of that, but that she met this man at a party and he knew all these things about her. She walked out of that party and completely turned her life around, stopped doing drugs, stopped sleeping around and became a devout follower of Christ because she realized she was going into the den of evil and that she was not willing to risk like we were talking about. It doesn't always happen in big moments like that. It happens in little trickles. And there she was in her mind, standing in front of Satan and being like, am I strong enough to play in this world? I don't even want to try. Yep. There was a song while back way back, like seventies. It was by, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, I should look it up. It's called somebody's knocking. 
And um, it's Terry Gibbs. That's who it was. It okay. was one hit wonder. Uh, and it said, somebody's knocking. Should I let him in? Lord, it's the devil. Would you look at him? I'd heard about him, but I never dreamed. He'd have blue eyes and blue jeans. And so. Oh, I think I've heard that one before. If not, I just heard it from Mike Rayburn, everybody. Cheer yeah. for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't have his guitar here, but for me, I was like, I was ready to have the. Um, so going back to the whole affair thing, too, that one, there was a, a, a family friend of ours that had an affair. And the kids were really just devastated as everyone in a community is that. And there are kids involved and they're their friends and just super devastated. And my daughter, she's probably about 10 at the time. And she's like, you know, just trying to even grasp what an affair is, but she can see all the pain of it. And she's like, mom, because I don't think she even really knew what exactly had happened other than an affair and everyone's devastated and a divorce happening and her friends crying and all this. And she goes, mom, what would you do if dad did that? Uh-huh. And I turned to her and I said, sweetie, your father and I, because in our religious tradition, we do not have sexual relations until we are married. And so if somebody does do that before there's repentance, the atonement of Christ and all of that, but mm-hmm. we are working very much on personal and physical self-control before we make that covenant of marriage, which we believe is forever. And so I'm saying to her, I say, sweetie, your dad knows how to control himself. And so I explain that it doesn't start with like those movies that we've turned off where they just fall into bed or that we skip those scenes, right? That they're just like dogs in heat. They, you know, like, and I showed her how the cat kind of puts its tail to the side when it's interested, you know, that human beings are not like that. I mean, people will say we are, that it's just, we couldn't just help ourselves. But in order to take an account into our soul, and I just walked her through that there's a hand that touches, there's a look that happens, there's a thought that's nurtured, there's a hundred steps before you're ever in a situation where you would be having that kind of affair. And so your dad would never do that because your dad would never go down that path. And so you do not need to worry that your dad and I are know how to control ourselves. Yes. And, and the key there is, uh, is to not put yourself in the situation to the, the, um, although I never, uh, again, I, and I was married before I, I didn't want to be divorced. I ended up getting divorced and, uh, I didn't, sorry, you had to go through that, but I sure love your wife. Now I didn't know your other wife, but I just find your wife now to be a radiant joyful light she's awesome absolutely is she totally is and for what it's worth we all get along along with my ex i just spent time fantastic i don't know her so i'm just saying i love the one you have and it's where we end up right yeah so anyway um uh there were a couple of times where i on the road and um after a show Oh, you know, everybody's happy. I just did this show. Everybody's complimenting me, all this kind of thing. And, um, where I ended up in a situation, two times where I ended up in situations where there were women who presented themselves as, as interested. Mm-hmm. And I had to, to, you know, like, whoa, this is for real. I got to get out. And, and so I did. However, the problem there was I put myself in the situation. And mm-hmm. so. So, so once that happened, there was two things. There there were, there were two common denominators. One was I went out after a show. Two was I was drinking red wine. 
And so, hey, here's the formula for success. Don't go out after shows and quit drinking red wine. And so, but see how cool it is that you went, well, it just happened and I didn't mean for it to. Instead, you were like, what about me? Because maybe red wine isn't a factor for someone else. You were taking this ultimate accountability to put up that no red flags would flare up. Right, right. And that's, and the other, that's the other thing is, um, that I think we need, and this, this goes professionally as well as personally, is that, that like I identified <laughs> for what it's worth. I've been attacked for this one by one, by a speaker that you and I would know. I'm not going to say who he is. Yeah. Don't say, cause we only say positive things on show your hotness, except about Satan. We can say all kinds of poopy stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, so, um, uh, I made a decided point probably 2007 or eight. Um, I made a point of, I need to surround myself with strong Christian men as friends. And oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. To hold me, to hold me accountable, to be, to be my friend base. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that's continued to this day. And um, in fact, we've moved now and I'm act, we're in Reno and we've been here for a year and a year and a few months. And I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to foster more of that. Now that said, um, that way you have someone who checks in with you and says, Mike, how are you doing on this? Like, Hey, you and your wife weren't getting along. That's not leading anything. Or, you know, which is, it's more of a talk to, it's not like a, I call it, in fact, with it, we have something, a, a, a coaching program that Kimberly and I run called uh, the virtuoso underground. And um, it's, uh, it's, um, it's about. Kimberly's master- his wife, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, Kimberly's my wife. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, it's a, it's a break. We have a weekly calls. We have a, a weekly call with the whole group. We have two retreats each year. Uh, we have ongoing coaching. We have guest speakers. We all that kind of. And um, anyway, so we call it kind accountability because accountability can have a certain level of like cracking the whip or you know mm-hmm. punishing you or just checking in like did you do this or not or you know. It's really not about that because if we all respect each other and we're all professionals and we're all moving forward in our lives, if I don't do something right, it's usually not because I'm being lazy or stupid. It's usually that they want, I need someone and I have certain friends. I could even tell you some of them are speakers uh, who will check in with me and say, Hey, Mike, that's not normally you. What's going on here? Talk Mm -hmm. to me, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's what we need. And I actually, and I even said that in one of my, I do something, I have something, and this is free for anybody who's interested. Uh, it's called the What If Weekly. And because my program is called What If. Yeah. What if and it's a great exercise to go through. And I actually do something kind of similar where it's taking a common question, basically, and you're turning it on its head and asking in a different way to get your brain to engage in a different way. But I, I, one of the things that I talk about is, you know, people always say, what could you do if you had no fear? And I'm like, that's not the question. That's the wrong question. So my what if question that I always say, what could you do if you had faith? If you believed in yourself. And of course, every person of faith asks that, but we're so often we're asking the wrong questions. And so your module that you put us through when in the National Speaker Association, when she came was basically like, start thinking about things differently. So you can start getting different answers than failure, fear. Right. And, yeah. to, and to what if things it's like, well, because, well, uh, um, I can't do that. It's like, yeah, yeah. But what if you could, how would you do it? 
for instance, I'll, I'll do, I'll say it this way. Um, uh, I, cause I live on ideas. I, I like to do things no one's ever done. And, um, I did the first ever cross country concert tour on bicycle, uh, where I rode from San Diego to Brooklyn, 4,000 miles doing concerts. No one had ever done it. So I did it. Uh, I did the, I did a, a program where I finished with a guitar duet that I played. The other guitar was played by me as well, but it was my hologram that appeared next to me and oh. we performed together. And it's on my website if you want to see it. That yeah. said, um, I live on ideas. And I have, there's certain people, we all have those people in our lives who uh, throw a wet blanket on new ideas. They're the naysayers, the ones, oh, you can't do that. It's going to cost too much money. There's not enough time. Or my favorite, we've never done it that way before. And so, I, and I have one of them in my life. And be the one, it's kind of funny now, but with this person, but uh, who will say, you don't have, how are you going to do that? You don't have enough time. You've been trying to do whatever. And I say it like this, you're right. But what if we could, how would we do it? Oh, I know it's probably not even going to happen. But what if we had to, how would we go about it? Or what if we wanted to, what would we do here? It it sidesteps, it steps over all the fear, over all the obstacles, and just entertains the idea. So that's the whole point behind this. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's it's very powerful. And inside each of ourselves, there, there is that, oh, I can't. And so that's why this is so powerful is, but what if? Well, what if I could? What yeah. if I could? We all dealt with that in COVID. Like, oh, well, we can't. We've never done this before. But what if we had to? How would we do it? And yeah. you have to step up. So I have this, it's called the What If Weekly. And it's a. It's a basically a 500 word or so blog. It's short and to the point. If anybody knows me, you know, my attention span, squirrel, I jump around. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, so- I actually suspected that. And when you were talking about your ideas, I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. He's probably got the same squirrel I have, yeah. but yeah, we, we're, we need we're, that. we're on the same page there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm married to the analytical, the analytical, everything has to have that. And it holds, I hold him in the, the, what, what could be possibility of fun and excitement. And he holds me grounded. So I remember when I take off in my hot air balloon to bring sandbags. That's a great balance. That's a great balance. Yes. Yes. So anyway, and, and if for some reason you would like to sign up for this, what if weekly, it's absolutely free. Just go to my website, which is mikerayburn.com. And we'll and- make sure everyone that that will be in the show notes. So it'll be really easy. Click, click, click. Cool. And, uh, um, and so I wrote about that one time about your inner circle. Who, who are the people who inform what you do? Who are the people who hold you accountable? Who are the people who you would go to with the deepest, most difficult challenge? And I wrote that I wanted to, that I surround myself, my truly closest inner circle is Christian men. And uh, because if I don't, if I go to, if I question, like I dealt with this in divorce, um, I, and I, again, I didn't want to, it just, my, but my now ex wanted to. And so, you know, it takes two of you to make it work. It only takes one to break it up. Well, um, it takes three to make it work. Three. Correct. Yes. I, know who that third I, one I, could, I could throw that out there. Cause I know you believe that as well, yes. but um, fortunately God will never step out. And, but one of the two humans involved could. Yeah. So yeah. all that to say is that um, my, uh, if I have a question on that level, I need people who are coming from the same faith base, the same personal base, the same um, um, ethic or um, or um, morality, uh, moral 
stance or posture than I am. And, or, meaning they, they're going to hold me to what we all agree on. Absolutely. And, and yeah. so I had someone actually like attack me. This is a guy I've been close with. This is a guy I've been friends with. This is a guy I've played music with. Attack me for that. And, um, and, and say, Oh, since I'm not that, you mean I can't be your close friend? And I can, and I won't even go into all the stuff he said. It was really tough. And, um, and so I came back to him. I said, I explained my, you know, my standpoint on that. He still doesn't get it. He just plain doesn't get it. And it's not my job that he does get it. It's my job that I stand up for who I am. And so anyway, I, and I, I love that point because as Christians, we are called to love other people. Yes. And so I love how people often define Christ as though he were some kind of doormat that accepted and tolerated all behaviors. And because I'm a Christian, I have to accept and tolerate and celebrate all of your behaviors. No, mm-hmm. Christ threw over chairs and tables when people disrespected his dad's house. He told yes. people, go and sin no more. He yes. cast people from his presence. And he also yeah. healed and cast out demons. So Christ did not tolerate where we are. He did not accept where we are. His whole entire purpose was to come and make us better. So anyway, that's just my little get up on my little pedestal there because it's like, well, you're, if you're going to be a Christian. You have to be this. I'm like, your definition of Christianity reflects you've not read his word. Exactly. That's tr- absolutely true. And, and I use it. So I talk about it as Christ. I talk, uh, I've, I've read a lot about this. I've taught a lot about this um, just in, in like in my church and spiritual circles uh, about the role of men. What is manhood? What is Christian manhood? And Christ. Being- I, we're going to have to have you on again, just for that, because I'll, men are so under attack. I would love, love, love for you to yes. come up. I try to defend um, goodness where I see it. If that's in women or men. And so I would love to have that male perspective. Sure. I would love to talk about that. Um, there's a book I will recommend that not just men, but women read it as well. It's called Wild at Heart. And it's by a guy named John Eldridge. I think that one might be on my reading list already. So we'll make sure it's on there. Uh, third most important book in my life. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Top and what's the book. author again? Uh, John Eldridge. Okay. Yeah, I think that Eldridge. might be on my list. But anyway, so Some you're going part. to your point. Yeah, the subtitle is Discovering the Secret of a Man's Soul. Okay. And, uh, it's about what God's prescription for manhood is. And the quick of it is, yes, we can go into a deep conversation about it. The quick, though, the overview is that Christ is the perfect example to the outcast, to the hurting, to the downtrodden, to the um, uh, the spurned and um, and hurting. He was the tenderest touch and most loving, accepting, beautiful entity person who's ever lived to the pharisees to the sadducees to the ones who would hurt one of these the least of my these my creature he's a warrior on a horse with a blood-drenched sword that's in revelations um coming into excuse me but kick ass and take names but just look at the dialogue he was a defender yes he's not mince words he and you if you were to take out like maybe like you don't understand his intention his words are pretty cutting. Oh, he referred to the Pharisees as whitewashed tombs. Yeah, and um, uh, 
I remember he referred to them as some kind of snake. Yes. You know, you know, trying to attack. Vipers, yes. Um, Vipers, thank you. (laughs) Like some kind of snake, you know. You're thinking of vipers, yes. And and he, uh, yes, he was not, one of the things that, uh, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, but uh, one of the the easy ways out when people, because I always say that it's simple. Your your future is based on this question. Who do you think Jesus was? Um, What, and the, and there's four popular answers, and one of them we can get rid of right now. One is that he, he's um, uh, a lunatic. He's a nutcase who believed he was this thing that he's not, and he just went around doing all this stuff. Um, the second one is that he was a liar. Um, it's the the book is liar, lunatic, or lord. It's from C.S. Lewis. Um, oh yeah, yeah. First is that he was, he was a lunatic. He was a nutcase. He was just a, a crazy person who did all this stuff. Second one is that he's a liar, that he knew what he was doing and he was just creating this hoax. He was, a you know, a modern day pen and teller could create these, you know, illusions of uh, healing or whatever. And he was just taking the world on a, on a ride just because that's who he is. And the third one is that he's, um, and this is the one that I can debunk right away. Uh, well, no, I'll go to the third one. The third one is that he was Lord, exactly who he said he was. Lord and Savior, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so the fourth one, though, is the most popular non-Christian view of Jesus. It's it's the Quran's view of Jesus. And that is that he was a prophet, that he was a good man. He was a good teacher, not Savior, not God's son, everything. But he was a prophet. He was a good teacher. Well, the problem with that, C.S. Lewis shoots that down right away. The problem with that is that if you know anything, if you believe anything about Jesus, we do know he lived. We do know that he was executed and he was executed because he said he was God. There is no one alive right now whom claims to be God that we would say, you know, he's a really good teacher. He's a really good prophet, except there that part where he thinks he's God. Other than that, he's really good. No one says yeah. that. Okay. There's no way. He and was equal by the fruits and the impact. And um, I just read um, or I'm reading a book about East meets West and it's about the Silk Road. Mm-hmm. And it's giving the history of basically how Christianity and well, the East and the West, which includes how Christianity impacted when it, what happened when it impacted with the Muslim faith. Right. And you know, when you look at Christianity misinterpreted and Muslim misinterpreted at its, even that fruit that's rotten, you know, at the core that Christ's teachings have produced the greatest civilizations that have ever existed on this planet Yep, because it has given the most individual freedom and hope to the individual soul. In fact, Gandhi, I don't know exactly. Quote, but Gandhi said spiritually he was more in line with Christianity than anything else. He just didn't like Christians because the ones he dealt with were not, they were claiming it and they were, well, uh, you know, imperialism and all that kind of stuff. But, yes. you know, that, that goes back to, you know, there are the people that are out there, Right. The people that everyone can see doing things and the people quietly serving and doing good. Mm-hmm. And Christianity so often gets judged by that person ended up being an ax murder. So therefore Christians are bad. Oh yeah. Right. And, 
and the world's looking for reasons to bring it down because that's, 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 we're part of a larger story. And the larger story going on there is that there is a force that wants to pull us away from God, who does not want God, who hates God. And that's, you know, you call it whatever you want. But Christianity calls you to love and serve your neighbor. Yes. And And the impacts of just that, of just that doctrine of love others as you love yourself, is mind-boggling of the impact that it's had. There's a lot of religious systems and cultural systems that if your neighbor is hurting, then you cast that neighbor out because they somehow sinned or degraded or are going to be contagious to you instead of go over and serve and help them. Yeah. Well, that's like the, 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 um, the Muslims who believe in honor killings, honor murders. Yeah. Female circumcision. And if a woman is raped, they believe that it is her fault and she's ruined. And that is why they made it such a point on events like October 7th to rape as many women as they could. There was no sin on the man for raping a woman, but because they believe that if a woman is raped, she and all attached to her are destroyed. That is in their spiritual belief that it's like taking her soul to purgatory forever. So it's not just socially she's bad. Their belief means, and that is why they protect their women so fiercely, is because if a woman is raped, it is bad for all of her relatives as well for their eternal soul. And so that's why they have to kill her. And I've had this explained to me by a Muslim. Yes. And so I'm like, I, in my frame of reference, I would see that as a very um, medieval form of belief because, you know, and I think all societies um, today are really struggling with looking at people and the decisions they made a hundred years ago and putting it through our modern lens Right. And being like, okay, I'm not going to judge George Washington because he was a little bit iffy on slavery. Right. Or something like that. Or I should Thomas Jefferson's a better example of that, because did you do the person criticizing Thomas Jefferson, what Thomas Jefferson did for his mankind? It's like, you know, you without sin cast the first stone, you know, that biblical standpoint, but not all cultures today right now have the same value to protecting and honoring the individuals within that culture uh chinese culture um individuals do not have value and that is why they're very susceptible to communism and why um you know 40 million of them dying in the communist revolution is not considered like the holocaust is because the judeo christian belief the holocaust was a terrible thing because individuals were you know so many were killed but china's culture does not look upon for excuse me 400 million people with the same way that our minds think of that because our cultures are different yep there uh, there's a great quote about this it's credited to chesterton i don't know if it's him or not uh i heard dennis prager share it And uh, it it says this, it's a really, this is so important, is that if you get rid of God, if you don't believe in God, you don't believe in nothing, you believe in anything. Mm -hmm. So if you don't believe in God, 
it can be replaced by pretty much anything. It can be replaced by gender ideology that's, you know, that men can be women and women can be men. It can be replaced by the idea that, um, that men can complete it, compete in women's sports and and decimate that and, and, and you know ultimately take over all this stuff it, well you, and as it, leah it, thomas said you should support them in their transition because it makes them happy and when your ultimate goal is happiness in the moment instead of what character you become it is very easy to be confused about what your goals are yes uh, and I had I had people in with false doctrine tell me, well, Mike, when I was a teenager and I was impressionable, and this is an older, like a teacherish kind of person who was working in school, saying, Mike, well, the most important thing is to be happy. The most important is actually no, that's not the most important thing. No, yeah, the most important thing is for me to be faithful and love God. Uh, the the most important thing is for me to grow as a human being, or meaning to be on a moral level, on a personal level, on a character and an integrity level. Uh, those are way more important. Um, faith is not always happy. Um, d- doing the right thing is quite often, not just sometimes, but quite often not happy making it's not it doesn't make you feel absolutely yeah and so i mean i've actually got a great story about this mike that i don't even think i've shared with the listeners yet um but it's going to be in my upcoming book that when my daughter died i was in a grief group and there were all these people standing around and there was a young man there that um from how he dressed and from why he was in this grief group he had an uncle and a brother and a friend all die within a six-month period violently So it's pretty obvious that he was in a game. Mm -hmm. And then there was a man who, like me, had lost a child and father of six. And I'm presuming from how he presented that he was, you know, striving to be a good Christian man. And he made the comment, um, you know, he, he was struggling and people were sharing these different things. And the interaction between these two, he ends up making the comment to the young man that I presume to be in the game just do whatever makes you happy. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm in a wheelchair. So people let me get away with murder (laughs) because I'm in a wheelchair. And um, in a speaking standpoint, I always joke, I should have never worked so hard to get out of the wheelchair because I could have made so much more money as a speaker in the wheelchair, but walking, you know, anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, right. One of the most in demand in the world. Um, Anyway. So I said to the man, I said, whoa, 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 whatever makes you happy. And I turned the young man who I presumed to be in a gang. And I said, what do you do when you want to feel happy? And he says, and I'm going to paraphrase. Well, I F a girl. And the father of six was very shocked, you know, because in both he and my, the word F is, um, representative of violent rape and it definitely does not connotate love and respect to the young lady right and i said and then i turned to the father of six and i was like well what do you do when you want to feel happy he's like i i i make a boat and i go float it in the local lake with my kid and i was like okay what makes one person happy and makes another person happy are not always the same things and i said maybe we need to think about what honors and again this is a uniquely christian idea of what do you define honor to be an honor killing because you've hurt my feelings or what is my character becoming? How am I honoring that? And so with the death of my daughter, I realized 
that the happiness that I had imagined in my mind of what happiness is, I would never have in this life. And so I needed to redefine happiness to a deeper level as peace. Well said. I could have peace in my daughter's death. And in that peace, I can have self-respect. And in that self-respect, I can have joy. But happiness, I can go and get by buying a purse that makes me excited. But a joyful peace, that's a very different thing. And so I think we've got to dig in and define words with people and be like, well, like with Leah Thomas, it's like, it makes me happy. The next sentence after that was talking about how much they like to win. So to me, that sounds more like dominion, power over someone else than actual self-respect and peace. And I will put out there to all of my listeners that if somebody is just about them, that is not someone you want to have in your core group of people like what Mike's been talking about. Right. And that, and that's why you don't, if you get that kind of input from people, uh, there, you know, there's the old phrase that, uh, that you are this, the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Right. And in which case, we need to be really careful about that because again, just like with an affair, the change, if you're surrounding yourself with people who are not living to a standard that you supposedly ascribe to um, the, the process of becoming what they are that you don't want to be uh, is not immediate. It's yeah. a little, it's a little here. It's a little there. And I'm watching this with some people close to me right now. And um, some people with whom I have some influence and I need, and I want to be, be sure on this. Um, and, uh, and so we, we need to, it, it just speaks to um, loving and, and reaching out to, you know, as anybody, however, right. being really protective of who's in your inner circle, who's influencing what you do. And making sure that you're on the same page, that that's, it's moving you in that direction. And again, if it's not a godly direction, it's any direction. It becomes mm-hmm. anything. And it can be, off, you know, the, um, well, like the, the guy who, you know, he has sex was what having sex with some random woman or if it's rape or whatever is what makes him happy. It's like, no, this is not about happiness. Joy doesn't come from that. Joy is actually a deeper thing. It's happiness on an extended level, but you can have joy. Uh, j- there's a point where God says, <laughs> this is a joke with my wife uh, and me. Um, Cause she wakes up, she wakes happy every morning, every morning, her first phrase, n- no exceptions in cl- fact, she's not here now. She texted it to me this morning. Her first phrase is it's a great day for a great day. It's a great day for a great day. She's like, I love today it's not even started yet. She's, I love today. I'm so happy about today. She, that's who she is. Okay. So, um, uh, and I forgot where I was going when I said that, but, uh, my, um, she talked about uh, the core people and who surround you with and what you're becoming. Yes. And so, um, what we joke about the phrase, this is what I was saying is that, uh, there's a point where, where, uh, Paul, I believe wrote this where he says, count it as joy when you are persecuted, count it as joy when you suffer on my behalf. It might've been Jesus, whoever it was. I think it was Paul. And yeah, to the Corinthians, I think. I think the Corinthians, yeah. I think, I yeah. Think you're right. I'm really impressed with me right now that I, I'm Influence feeling pretty strongly about that. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. So count it as joy. What that means is that something that is crap, that hurts, that is probably, it might hurt your reputation. It might hurt your bookings or your money or your status or your place in the world. God's saying count it as joy because it was for me. And so yeah. I think most people, if they were able to sit there and 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 uh, separate and and experience, compare the experience of happiness versus the experience of joy, they'd choose joy every freaking time. And mm-hmm. um, and suddenly that rises above temptation. It ri- well, it doesn't mean you're not tempted, but it rises above that um, superficial fleeting, you know, have an affair, you know, do drugs or do whatever it is versus doing what's right, which hurts, but you're supposed to count it as joy. And and what God is saying is that it can be joy. You can count it as joy. He wouldn't Mm -hmm. tell us something that we're not capable of doing. And so uh, that's, that's where I, that's. And I absolutely support that with my witness of my life, that even in the death of my child, even with as hard as that was, that I have been able to have a peace and joy that surpasses, surpasses, I can't say that word was what I wanted to, with understanding. And for those of us that believe, um, some people who may not believe might listen to part of this conversation and be like, well, that was a little judgmental. And remember that that is a, a phrase that the world has used to stop those of us who believe from speaking our authentic truth. Because they're saying that all ideas are the same. All truth is just relative. And we're saying throughout the millennia of time, God has had a standard and has invited us to be a part of that. Yes. And truth, if truth is variable, it's not truth. The definition Amen. of truth is right. that it is. it has no future, no past. It just is. And so I understand when people, there's two sides to this, when people say like, well, if that's your truth and my truth is this. Now, I understand if they're talking about opinions or if they're talking about experience. colors. My experience was different than, and they refer to it as truth. And that's really not technically truth, but I'm not shooting him down for using that phrasing. My wife uses that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but not, but not with regard to actual truth, because if something is true, it simply is. And therefore, um, there, you, it can't be something else too. There's, you can't have two truths, um, that are opposite, that are not the same because they're not, there's just right. one, you know? Yeah. And so, and that's one of the difficult things because, uh, you know, especially with the issues around gender ideology and and some of the things going on in the world right now, um, some of the social contagions that are that are trying to take over uh, is that um, well that may be your truth, but that's not my truth. It's like well, actually, no, we need to be on the side of truth. Um, we can deal with uh, challenges underneath what that truth is in embracing that truth or not, in believing that truth or not, in experiencing that truth or not. However, it doesn't change the truth. If there's a truth, right. it simply is. And that's all. And one of the things that I use as a barometer for assessing truth is if you need someone else's approval, acceptance, or affirmation of it, then you're not convinced it's true. Great point. 
Well yeah. said. Because I know certain things to the core of my being that I would die for. And you can know certain things to the core of your being and die for. But if you need me to agree with you, that's a really strong signal that you don't, you can use those same words. You can cry. You can have, you know, strengthen your conviction of your communication. But if you need me to agree with you, then you are unshaken. You are shaken in that belief. Absolutely right. Plus, there's a there's a very strong level of narcissism in that mm-hmm. from, uh, from that side saying, "Oh, I I need this affirmed. It's about me. What do I believe? Where's it? Right. It's it ends up being a self focus." And, right. and religious the- people have used narcissistic traits to you know show how pious I am, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about if you need other people's opinion then you got to be working on your relationship with what you would call your God, right. because your God will give you all of the peace and all of the joy, regardless of your circumstances and regardless of everyone else is against you. Yes. And that can't be underscored enough and, and highlighted enough uh, what you just said there, because that peace that is beyond understanding um, God's peace. That's how my, conversion experience happened um i was and i'll just tell this in a paraphrase story but uh i was i was in uh i was not a christian i was i was raised methodist and it was one of those like my dad was like i'm methodist don't talk don't preach to me um and uh you know uh go to church on sunday and then do whatever you want and um uh, it didn't, and, and I, you know, avoid it. anyway, so I believed in God, but I didn't know about Jesus and I didn't, and I wasn't really, you know, you didn't was, really have any doctrine to back it up. It sounds like I did or a, or a core commitment or belief to, to God. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I did believe in God and I did pray. And so uh, I was, and I had been at the end of college, toward the end of college, uh, I had uh, been actually living with a girl and I was breaking up with her and um and we, it's one of those, some of us have been through this where it takes six months to break up back and right, forth. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. And we we're going through that. And there was a night and I was also playing guitar. At, I was doing this, these bar gigs at, at this ski lodge near, and this is in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. And it was on uh, Valentine's day and this soon to be X, but we're not quite yet. Uh, and I got together, we went to see, saw the movie color purple. It was in the theaters at the time. Tells you what, how old this is. Um, February, it was Valentine's Day, 86. And um, and basically that night, she said, this guy that she had actually gone on a date with, she's going to continue dating him. So all of that is knocked from underneath me. Then she told me that where I was playing at the, the ski lodge, they were not happy with me and they were about to fire me or they were, were not, you know, I was politically doing stupid things or saying things I shouldn't have or what, I don't know what it was, but they basically like, they don't even like you there and all this and she it was a short conversation it was like 15 20 minute conversation and wow. normally i'm if i'm a debater i'm a spe- professional speaker so i'm a debater i stick up for my i always have something to say to something she finished and it had knocked everything that i had any self-esteem with out from underneath me in one fell swoop and it was so devastating i didn't say anything when i when she finished talking i didn't respond and she knew something was up. And I just said, thank you. And I left. I got out of the. We were in a parking deck. It was Harrisonburg, Virginia. This parking deck was empty except for my truck and her car. And I got in my truck and I had a 20 minute drive down this mountain road. And I planned. I, it's so hard to say this because I love life so much. I planned my suicide 
it suddenly appeared like there's a way out. I could, and my dad had given me a shotgun for Christmas and I was going to go home and use it. And, um, which I can't even, it's so hard to even say that now because I'm like, I but thank you for sharing it because people need to know how you got out of it. Yeah. So I was, I tried screaming. I tried, I was crying. I don't scream very well. turns out. Um, and it was no release and I got back to, and I was just like in this, whatever. And I got to my apartment in this little, little town called Broadway, Virginia. And instead of going inside and doing something really stupid, I did. I just chose not to do that, but I was still just all caught up with everything that had happened. So I just started running and this is like two in the morning. I'm running and it's brittle cold outside and I'm running down this hill. I run up this other hill and a number of things had happened. If this was a more of a comprehensive story, I'd tell you the background to it. But the backstory is that I had had some interactions from God that were like, whoa, there might be something to this. So that up on, I run up this hill and I said, okay, God, if you're real, Bible, Jesus, I'm in 100%. I'm not, it wasn't, I was making this deal. And I said, just show me, come into my heart, show me, and I am 100% in. I wasn't making a deal like, if you show me, I'll read the Bible. Or if you show me, I'll go to church. Or if you show me, I'll try to be a good person. It was, I will be 100% in, just show me. And it was so real, I finished that prayer, scream, whatever it was. And I wondered if like a bush would burn or I'd hear a voice in the sky or whatever, and nothing. So I walked back home. I went to sleep, got up the next day. I'm driving. This is the part that goes to what you were saying. I was driving to school and I remembered all the crap that she had said uh, the night before. And, uh, and it was all still there. It was all still real. But somehow it didn't matter as much. It didn't, there was, it was different. It was like, it didn't have the same effect on me. It was like somehow, even though it was all there, it was, it was, it was taken care of. And then I started and I thought, I actually feel kind of good here. And then I started thinking about, this is 1986. If you remember, nuclear war was a big issue back then. Right. Um, right. Things like I started thinking about all those things and I was like, yeah, there's still issues, but it was somehow it didn't matter the same way. It was like, it was taken care of. And I started thinking about, and then I realized what I felt was peace, not peace on earth, like no fighting, but peace inside me that I had never felt. And then I remembered the last sermon I had heard had been about God's peace. And I thought, that's what this is. And then I remembered the prayer. Ah. (laughs) My first words as a Christ follower were, oh crap, it worked. (laughs) Um, (laughs) God showed up. And, uh, And I actually used the other word, not Crap, because uh, yeah. I had a mouth. You back mean then. poopy? Yeah, exactly. Poopy. Mm-hmm. I said yeah. kooky. Mm-hmm. Poopy, poopy. That's my swear word of choice. Poopy. God, duty. God, duty. He's like kooky. <laughs> what? What was that word? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I know it was the S word, and uh, it was, and and now for what it's worth, of course, since then I've sinned. I've done stupid crap. I've done all kinds. Of as thirty. As years. what happens, we're human. Yeah. Because we're human beings, and I'm fallen, and I and I, I, which is why I need Jesus. I need Jesus every single day, every single minute. We get to repent, right? Because yeah. I, if, if thought, if not deed, um, um and uh, however, that peace, that assurance of salvation, that assurance of eternal life, that assurance that it's taken care of is the ways uh, has never left. 
It's in 30 some years, it's never left. And and the key there, if anybody's listening to this and going like, I don't know if he's talking, the key there is you got to be all in. Is When you make that choice, it's not like I'm testing the waters. It's not like, I mean, you can test the waters, go to church. I encourage that. Read the Bible, yeah. you know, talk to friends and whatever. However, when you make that commitment, it's got, it's it's that like, okay, God, I am 100% inviting you in. I need a savior. I, I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that you are the son of God and I am inviting you into my life. Amen. And, and that, and that's, I, I'm living proof. And, and it's one of those things where, God cannot be put in a Petri dish. You're never going to prove this on paper. You're not going to prove it in a laboratory. You're never going to prove it in, um, uh, you know, in, 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 I know a few people, one of them was a former pastor of mine who have reasoned their way to a belief in God. Um, I know two people who have, who have it made sense and it does make sense. Pascal's wager and a, a number of different uh, points there. However, it's not provable on paper in that sense. You can make a great case for it. And I believe it is semi-provable when you look at there's 500 witnesses to Jesus coming back to life. There's right. no documentation, documentation of anything that old. Well, historically proven. Yes, historically yeah. proven. Right. However, it, um, uh, it, it's not like that. However, there's certain things, and this is where God, God's concern is your heart. God wants your heart. God knows that the heart is where everything comes from. Um and also that the heart can be deceitful, which is why we need God in there. And so, um, and so, uh, it's something I know in my heart to the point where I simply can't get rid of it, choose something else. I, I mean, I guess I could, but it would be going against, it would be, but it would be design. like you said, it would be drip by drip. And I have heard people describe leaving God is like one of the most painful things they've ever had. And then they tell me how happy that they are, you know, on the other side, but I'm, you know, looking for it because it seems like their lives crash and burn, you know, but when you know something and you weed that out, I have not seen the evidence that it leaves people happier. And so when people always try to lure me to the other side, you know, um, you know, my, my ace in the hole is always this in your belief system, where is my dead daughter? And they start to tell me about, well, she's dead. So she's in the ground decomposing. And I'm like, okay, so if I have dead in the ground decomposing versus she interacts in my life, I feel that she's bossy from heaven. I get to live with her and my other children that I've lost my grandmother figure that I love, my grandfather and everyone that has ever impacted my life for good, that I get to live with them forever with God and beyond joy. You know, I'm just going to go with that one. It seems like a lot better for me. (laughs) It makes more sense. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But if I'm right... I already know I am because I've already tasted of heaven enough times here to know it's real. Well, well, you just kind of tiptoed into Pascal's wager. Pascal basically said, Pascal's wager says, it makes scientific sense to believe in God. Because his premise was, if you don't believe in God, no, if you believe in God and he's real, 
you're fine. If you believe in God and he's not real, you're still fine. If you don't believe in God, God is a loving God. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't believe in God and he's not real, you're fine. But if you don't believe in God and he is real, then you got problems. So the one of those possibilities, because those are the only possibilities of the only one of those possibilities that has horrible con, uh, uh, consequences is to not believe in God and he's real. So even if God's not real, it makes more sense to believe in him than not is mm-hmm. the, is the, is the, uh, is the And that's essentially what you just illustrated. And yeah. uh, I will say this for what it's worth. Um, I was, uh, the, I, I'm going to be using this story in my new keynote. Uh, when I was 15, uh, I'll just paraphrase it. But when I was 15, I was in a, uh, my best friend was a guy named Toby. He and I learned to play guitar together. He and I did all the, uh, our first shows together. In fact, my show is not all that different than what we did in fourth grade, um, third grade. Um, uh, I learned all my cycling and, and adventure and stuff like Toby and I did that together. And Toby and I at 15 years old, summer after our freshman year in high school, uh, went on a three-day bike trip. And on the first day, just a few miles from our destination, we were both hit by a car. Um, mm. He, uh, I was thrown semi clear. I had injuries, but I was okay. Um, and Toby died. He literally, literally died in my arms. I'm and, so sorry. Uh, at such you. a young age. Yes. And, uh, and it shaped a lot of things in my life. And, uh, and the, the, the quick of that, to finish that story, I'm setting up something else, but to, to finish that story, uh, the cops, uh, after, you know, this is a long way from home. So my parents had to drive out and get us, get me and, uh, and I'm driving back and they wanted me to help reconstruct what happened. So I had to go back to the scene, his blood's still on the highway. It's the, you know, all the, I had my crashed bike and all that stuff. And the, I, I walked them through what I remembered and the state trooper said, well, you know, that's exactly what we thought. There's only one thing that does not make sense about this at all. He said, there is no reason you should be alive. Which ironically meant the exact opposite. There must be a reason I'm alive if I survive this thing. Yeah. So, um, and on the way, and then to finish this up, on the way home, I made the choice. I would rather die making every moment count than live worrying about how many moments I have left. And so I decided instead of curling up in a ball, scared of the world, that I'm just going to go for it. And I do. That said, within either a, somewhere between, I don't remember exactly, but a week to two months after that, some sometimes shortly thereafter, I dreamed, I say dreamed, I dreamed I was in my bed laying where I was actually laying. So is it a dream or an item? I don't know. Right, I right. I was laying in my bed and I looked up and Toby was in the room and he wasn't, and he was standing there and he was, he was not standing on the ground. He was actually kind of hovering. I know this is sounding weird. I'm just telling nope, you. What no, the- I, I, I'm, I'm all with you. Yeah. He was, he was standing right there. And I was so happy because I was like, Oh, it didn't happen. You, you're okay. You, you're all right. I was so happy about that. And he didn't ever say a word, but he communicated to me in whatever way it came to me. No, I, I, I am gone, but I'm okay where I am. And it was a reassurance of an afterlife. It was a reassurance. And he was, he was also, you know, he was a 15 year old boy. So he had, we did 15 year old boy things. However, he did have a faith base. He was, he was Lutheran. He was, you know, went to church, read the Bible and things like that. And we were both, you know, it just wasn't a big deal at the time, but he was a believer and he's a kid. So he's judged on a, on a kid. Right. Level. 
Right. And God, God, God knows who we are. So I'm not, I I don't, he's not there waiting to punish us just for the listener. Who's no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah, people say, well, God, well, how, if he loves people, how comes he sends them to hell? No, God doesn't send people to hell. People choose hell. God saves people from Amen. Uh, Amen. Amen. The whole backwards thing. So anyway, he, this all came to me. I mean, this happened. With the, I mean, this happened. This, uh, I mean, with God as my witness, my salvation on the line, this freaking happened. And Amen. so yeah. then on. I I know there's an afterlife, and now that I'm, you know, that that God's in, in the indwelling. I mean, the Holy Spirit's in me. I know that because He wakes me up at four in the morning sometimes. Um, uh, that I don't have any questions. I mean, sure, faith can be shaken about certain things when certain bad things happen. However, I've never questioned the idea that God is who He says He is, that Jesus is who He says He is, that the Holy Spirit is real, that my salvation is is there. And um, I don't know if you can lose salvation or not, but I don't have any worry about it because I'm set. I, I mean, I'm set in my belief. I, I'm 100% on that page. Right. And that's, I believe that's all we have to do is that when, if there's anything we're worried about when that moment comes, that we can just look to Christ and be like, I believe you enough to stand in front of God and let's do this. Right. So Mike, you are amazing. I could talk to you forever and I'm super disappointed no, we that we have to end. Um, but I'm like, ah, dang it. Cause there's so many things I'd love to discuss with you and thank you for already consenting to be on again, but some great action items for the listener today of who's around you. Who are you connecting with? What influences are you allowing to be speaking in your head and how are you protecting and honoring those relationships. And if you're blessed enough to have a spouse honoring that ultimate relationship and how that can honor God. And thank you. Thank you, Mike, for sharing your witness. And I would like to add mine, that I too know that God is real. And for Toby and my Caitlin and those that we all love, um, I felt like we had a little bit of angels with us today. So thank you for bringing that so sincerely and you definitely shared your hotness thank you mike you're wonderful lita thank you so much and i look forward to seeing you again thank you mike let's do it absolutely absolutely thank you and thank you again for listening to this episode of share your hotness Thank you for listening. This is Lita Green. And if you have enjoyed our podcast and would like to learn more about the principles that I teach as a speaker, I have a special opportunity for the young girls in your life. So I teach maturation programs. I wrote a book on overcoming sexual abuse and I wrote a book on confidence. And I've had a lot of parents, I mean, a lot of parents come and say, I would love for your daughter to be, my daughter to be coached by you. But in order for me to coach individual daughters, uh, that would be a lot of money. So I've come up with an idea of what we're gonna do. I'm going to do a group mentorship and you get to come along with your daughter. So I will be presenting principles that you and your daughter are able to go home and have a conversation. So really you're the coach, but you're being given a conversation opener. So far I have eight workshop topics. So if you'd like to have more information about those, 
they are literally only going to be $40 each. And even better, if you have two girls, that's 80. If you have five girls or four girls or three girls, it's a hundred per family. I am not doing this to make a ton of money. I am doing this because our girls need to have the information frankly, that I've been teaching for years. And I want to make that accessible to more than just the one-on-one that come to me and um, ask for my time as a coach. And because I'm, I have to charge money per hour, you know, so this way we're getting it cheaper and accessible and they can learn with others. And I'm hoping this will be amazing for everybody involved. So let me know if you want more info.